Well, I hope this episode finds you well and and feeling good um, in these uncertain times of social distancing and, and whatnot that we're dealing with. The whole world's feeling the effects as the countries around the globe are all in similar situations. But still, there's many stories that highlight sort of the good nature of humans, especially in our motorcycling community. Travelers have been stranded in foreign countries, and they've been offered assistance by um, strangers, really. They've offered been offered places to stay. Well, I don't know as a strange, the motorcyclist, and, and maybe that's not so strange. But it's stories like this that, that are sort of uplifting during this global coronavirus or COVID-19 pandemic. Now, um, I want you to rest assured that uh, Elizabeth and I will continue to bring you the same quality motorcycle travel stories, tech pieces, and rider skills segments that you've come to expect from Adventure Rider Radio. Stories to help pass the time, whether you're on a solo ride or puttering away in the garage or sitting in your most comfortable chair, I guess, in your living room, passing the time. There's, There's over 350 Adventure Rider Radio and Raw episodes to listen to, to help keep you busy. Um, Maybe uh, get out on your bike and and practice along with some rider skills episodes or travel to far off places right in your home without going anywhere. Like a good book, let us take you to another world and into somebody else's adventure, even just for a little while. Now, our commitment to you is that we're going to keep producing the show like we've done for the past six years. And um, even though we're only at the beginning of this, uh, of what will become who knows what we're um, as we record this episode we've already begun to feel the effects of the economic shutdown and i'd like to ask two things of you as a listener of adventure rider radio the first thing is that you share the show share it on social media tell your friends rate us on itunes or anywhere that you listen to to podcasts you can find them Uh, rate us on facebook Get the word out to other riders that not only uh, is there another show coming each week, but we also have the largest audio repository of motorcycle adventure stories, informational pieces, tech, rider skills on the web. Hundreds of episodes to listen to all free. The second thing that I'm asking you is to please support the show. Adventure Rider Radio is a professionally produced show. It's a full-time job for us. It's not a hobby. The amount of time and work that Elizabeth and I put into each of these episodes would be impossible if it were a side gig for us. Now, we do have some listeners that have been faithful supporters of the show, and really, we thank them profusely. Um, It's been great. But now, we really need you to step up, if you haven't been already, and support as well. Now, it doesn't take much to support. Just a few dollars a month would make a huge difference for us, especially now. Adventure Rider Radio has so many listeners from literally almost every country in the world, yet the number of supporters, the actual supporters we get, is only a tiny little fraction of those that enjoy the show each week. Now, maybe it's because most people think that others will do it. I think that's probably the most common one, or or maybe that we don't need it, that we're retired or independently wealthy. None of those things are true. We do need it. We built this, uh, this show on a model of mixing some ads with listener support. And right now, We really need your support. So drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com, and click on support. Thanks very much. Well, 
today we've got Mickness and Alice B. Oliver with Peaky Peaky Overland. They are in South America. They've been on the road for a decade now. They've got their income structured in a way that they don't have to go home. And you know what? They're not. They're staying put despite what is happening in the world. My name is Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. we got a good one for you. Best Rest Products is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA, comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters, cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. They've got 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter. It's free, maxbmw.com. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vince. Simon Pavey. Brian Field. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Carl Parker. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Elspeth Jim Hart. Jansen. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Mickness and LSB Oliver, also known as Peaky Peaky Overland, have been traveling by motorcycle for a decade. And for them, it started off with um, short, short-ish trips, a few months out, and then back home, and then back out again. What they would do is they, they would ride for a certain amount of time, they would stop and store the bikes where they stopped, and then fly back home. And to keep committed to their travels, they would book a return ticket as soon as they got home for a few months forward, and then they had no choice but to go back, get on their motorcycles, and keep exploring. They're now on the road full-time. But they spent a number of years developing a, a passive income. So right now, they have money coming in while they're on the road. They're now in South America, and the travel bug has hit them so hard. I mean, they're just not willing to give up at this point. They're not heading home when most people are, coronavirus pandemic. They're staying at a friend's house in Bolivia quite comfortably and in high spirits, which is where we caught up with them. Oh, you're cute. Uh, the quality is good. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> what do you mean you're at home anyway? What, like, is it like real home? No, 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 uh, no. Meaning anywhere where the bikes are parked is home for us. Right. Okay. No. So I, I sort of thought that. But what, so you're, you have dogs, or is this where you're staying? Yeah, this we, we're staying. We're also? staying with uh, Motor Photo Frank. Uh, he was kind enough to invite us to come and spend time here while we sit out this Corona thing. Um, let's see what we can. Let's see what you can do. I'm going to go into the. Into a smaller room and see if it, if it works there. Um, Michael's really fear. I'm from South Africa, um, traveling in South America for longer than longer than we're supposed to, but um, we're currently in Bolivia. <laughs> And I'm also a bit willy really of the sidekick. <laughs> what do you mean longer? You've been, you've been traveling in South America longer than you should be? Well, we hear about 
four years now, I think. So. Yeah, we originally, uh, when we left South Africa, promised my mom we're going to be about two years away in the Americas. But yeah, it's been now uh, just over four years. <laughs> Oh, well, you guys are, are you're originally from South Africa. That, that's you're you both from South Africa. Correct. Yes. Great. Right. So, what did you do there before you left on your trip initially? Corporate stuff. Elsby was in corporate. I was in corporate. Um, all the boring all stuff. All the boring stuff, and um, <laughs> decided to start buying property when the when the market was still good. To we were saving up like crazy and not spend money on iPhones and stuff. And, Eventually, I had enough that we could um, start traveling, not not expensively, just keep on going normally. So, yeah. And it just went from there. So we're still doing business. We, we were busy building a new uh, uh, outdoor motorcycle brand stuff, the same as what we had in South Africa. So we're still working, else we're still doing the, the, the property side for us. Um, yeah, so the selling, selling, doing nothing is never an option. So property, you're saying you invested in property. This This is rental property. Yes, property. That is correct. Wow. Uh, being based in South Africa, we normally say we are in the ass end of the world. Uh, originally, when the two of us started out to uh, travel was quite expensive. So we sort of worked on a bit of a longer term plan. And uh, instead of taking uh, expensive holidays, we just invested as much as we could into rental properties. So when you say you, you didn't spend your money on buying iPhones and things like that, you're saving your money, putting it into properties. What sort of time period are you talking it was long. I mean, it, it, ours was at least 15 years. Um, yeah. It was a long, long time. And we tried to pay it off the properties. So what happened was you, you get a good property deal and then you think it's okay and you start paying it off and then you get another good property deal and you think, well, let's try that one. And so it just goes on. Um, but it was a good 15-year plan. So um, we've been married already 25 years. So for the first 15 years, it was basically dedicating first studies, getting our studies part-time done. And then we started working and climbing the corporate ladders. Um, and then, yeah, uh, doing that for 15 years, we realized this is not uh, living our dream. And we uh, started working on other, uh, um, on, on more possibilities to First, uh, I quit my job. Uh, we bought uh, our first serious property. Then Mechnes quit his job. And then we started our first uh, company that we had in South Africa. And yeah, from there, I think we've never sit still. We've always worked for ourselves from there. Uh, but just now doing it from wherever our laptop is parked. Wow. It's, it's weird to hear you say you, you bought a property and quit your job. Usually those, those things don't go together. <laughs> you usually <laughs> stay at your no. job because you're buying the property. But, uh, but so things have worked out very well. And you sold that company you, you, you built up. Yeah, the ITG, the, the, the motorcycle one we sold um, eventually, it got, it got really big. Um, but in hindsight... No, uh, we'll be honest. It we'll interfered with the travel. <laughs> <laughs> the company did. So this company that you built up interfered with your travel plans. Well, I mean, yeah. let's face it. Anything you do yourself, you, you know, you've got to stay at it, right? I mean, that's that's what being a business owner is. Correct. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I think this little company just grew a lot quicker than what we thought. And we were traveling for our first three months in Europe, really enjoying the, the travels. But with this this cash eating company in the background, it wasn't as enjoyable. So we had to go back home and really take stock and decide how do we want to do it? <laughs> right. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're yeah, trying to run it from the road. That that would be difficult. Now you, yeah. you, um, so really what you've done is you've sort of built yourself up to retirement more so than 
than travel. I mean, a lot of people talk about traveling and they, they'll save for three or four years or whatever to go travel or two years or a year or whatever. But what you're talking about is more of a retirement plan. I mean, you didn't just save money, you sort of invested it so that it keeps paying dividends as you travel. That's correct. I was in financial for the biggest part of my life and I I had 3,000 odd clients and I, I could see what people do wrong and what they what they focus is on and, and it allowed me a little bit to to make sure that what we focus on is, is retirement and, and income and not not to work the rest of your life and, and have nothing because you know live from month to month so it's very important well for me it was very important that whatever you do in life try and buy capital meaning assets stuff that that eventually can create income with its shares or what I mean like the stock markets now falling it's a it's the best opportunity to get into stock markets now mm-hmm. we also don't have a retirement in South Africa you you look after yourself you, there's no government retirement fund there is but it's seventy dollars a month it means nothing you cannot live on that so you have to look after yourself and you have to look from the first day you work you have to look after your retirement planning yourself so it, it's it's sort of part of every South African mindset to, to do that. $70 a month? What, what does that work out to compared to U.S. funds? No, it's like it's a, a, a 10% 10. of, yeah, it's, it's really oh very small. Our, yeah, our social structure in South Africa is too big. Why bother? Like, what's the, what's the point of sending a checkout for $70 when it's worth so yeah. little? Yeah. What's the point? Keep yeah. it, put it, do something else with no. it. Yeah, exactly. So the government, we've got so many uh, social grants that the government can't afford to pay. So they pay $70 for a retirement person and $50 for a mom with a well, kid. it's a little bit like more that. than that, but it's, it's really, uh, in terms of the USA, it's really insignificant. But in terms of South African lifestyle, especially for the poorer communities, that is actually enough to buy food to keep them going. So oh, it is. Oh, you I have see. to look at it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's a, it's a really, I mean, you know, you bought property and you had corporate jobs, you quit them, you started a business. There's a lot of luck in there too. You, you got lucky. Yes, we, I mean, you have to, like Johnny Player always said, you make your own luck. We worked really hard. I mean, we, we, we've put in hours till one, two in the morning for a lot of years uh, to make that work. And we took a massive amount of risk. I mean, one of our biggest properties that we bought was, a, was a, if that property went, if the deal didn't go as planned, we could have been ruined for life. So, we took a massive amount of risk to, to, to get that. Um, and yes, there's a lot of there's I, luck as well. Yeah, as I think there's, there is definitely a bit of luck involved, but uh, to be quite honest, I think it's also a lot of hard work and, and time put in. Um, it's uh, it, it always sounds so easy to just buy a property and you get the income, but there's actually a lot more uh, in the background going on. Uh, you have to make sure monthly it's going, the maintenance. So yes, um yeah, we did have luck, but uh, I, I think also Mechnes and I have put in uh, the hours. We didn't uh, go on a lot of holidays. We didn't spend our money. Our friends actually still laugh at us because the first time we ever actually spent money on our own personal home, uh, five months later, as we later we hit the road. And they said, you waited all these years to do something to your house, and now you're not even staying in your house. So <laughs> No, no, just to give you an idea. When I say luck, I, I'm not talking luck like it's, it's the lottery type of luck where you buy a ticket and wow, you win. And that's, that's, you know, getting lucky. I don't believe in luck, by the way. I, I believe in, in yeah. happenstance or, or serendipity. And, and you said, you know, about making your own luck. Part of it is, is working really hard, but there are people out there who take the chances the same as you did, who, who try to build things to do exactly what you did and 
something didn't go their way, you know, something tilts the other way and they end up, like you said, that one big property that you bought, if things didn't work out on that, you would have been ruined for life. Yeah, well, there's correct. people who that happens to. And that's, that's what I meant by luck. I mean, so there's the, mm, there's mm, being in the right sure. place at the right yeah. time and, and, and having your eyes open and being enthusiastic and waiting for something to arrive and accepting it. Uh, that's why I think what is, you know, is part of what drives us, you know, for life, as far as if you're a go-getter, like you guys are, mm. um, you got to be there, but then you need that little sprinkle of luck. You need to be at the right place, you know, that you're not standing in the wrong place while something arrives at the other port, so to speak. Quite correct. Absolutely Quite correct. correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, no, sometimes sometimes the, the stars have to align with the, the tequila has <laughs> mm-hmm. to fall on the right spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, I love hearing times when it does. So let's, let's talk about travel right now as far as you guys go. What, what is travel for you right now? I mean, describe how you're doing it and, and what the plan was when you left. I think we, we changed the word travel to lifestyle. Um, originally, yes, we went traveling and now it's more for us a, love, a lifestyle. Um, and, uh, you know, sort of uh, wherever we, we park the motorcycles and we open up the laptops and we start cooking that, that we call home. Um, so, yeah, I think we've, we've involved into traveling in more of a, a permanent lifestyle. <laughs> It's, it's the world is I think the world's become a little bit smaller and and, and lucky again that um, the travel uh, um, um, people movement has become a little bit easier okay, not with corona now but it's become easier so I mean I can stay the rest of my life in South Africa and have a nice house and, and sit on the beach every day but we feel that there's so many places to see. If I can spend six months on a beach in Costa Rica and six months in, in Chile working there and six months in Argentina and travel and have the ability to ride a bike and see those, those extraordinary places, um, that for me is, is a good retirement. And, and I don't want to die one day and not see the small little rock we live on. It, it's a beautiful place. And I think if, if at all for people and it's possible, that they can that they can also see it. I mean, sure, it's not for everyone, and everyone's, you know, each to its own. But the world for me is too small, and and I love the the fact that that in in, in 2020 you you're able to to live in a country like Mexico for six months and experience what they have to do. And then if you want to go to Asia, you can also you can also do that. So as a retirement thing, man, that's great. And and a lot of young people, the fact that they can now with Wi-Fi. I mean, we're sitting chatting here with you for halfway around the world and. Uh, you can do your job on it if you if you need be. So it's it's very very nice opportunities that we have uh, currently in the world. And you jumped on a couple of bikes. Talk a bit about what you're riding and what your setup is. Um, we've got BMWs back home. Love them, uh, but they're not for us for the for traveling. I think they're a bit expensive, and they are a bit expensive to use. So we switch over to to the Suzuki DR650s, the old. Neanderthal, they slow, they don't go over a pass that that good. But this overland vehicle is, is means it's a very good vehicle. Um, I would have loved to have them as, as fuel injection and maybe a little bit more more um, uh, suspension. But uh, that that but, be it as it may. At least you know if something really goes wrong, you can kick the thing into a ditch and go back home. I don't kick a twenty thousand dollar BMW into a ditch and but, go. Home. But that's it. It's it's what you feel comfortable with uh, mm-hmm. on what type of trip you are. Uh, for for the two of us, we like to go and explore the lesser ri- uh, ridden roads. Um, we love to 
yeah, do a couple of uh, river crossings. And for us on the DRs, you, you sort of feel that you can take a little bit of a risk because you are on a bike that can most probably be fixed in most of the countries. Um, we, when we did our trip through Africa, we were on two BMW 650s and it was always in the back of your head. Just be careful because there's no space in these countries. It's expensive if something happens. So, yes, definitely – now they say horses for courses, and mm. currently I think uh, Mechnes' uh, research and our decision to do the DR650s is really paying off. No, they're not, uh, they're not, uh, if you want to have likes on, on, on Instagram and get a BMW, that will give you the DR. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying the, the DR. DR is not photogenic? Is that what you're saying? Hey, it's a pretty I'm, bike. I'm trying my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying my best. Art is in the eye Art of the beholder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, just to, just to give you an example, we did the eight hundred loop of Lagunas Road. We came into the into a side road. We didn't do the normal one that, that uh, most travelers go um, through some part of Tacoma. It was raining two days prior. The people told us be careful because the the water because it's mountainous. The water will still be running off two days later. We waited it out, went into it, and. The first was a 350-kilometer uh, stretch that we had to do for the day, but it's very slow. We had to drag Elsby's bike out once out of the river because it got stuck. Out of the mud. Of the mud. <laughs> and if I, if I had to drag a 230-kilogram bike out of that mud, man, it would have taken us an hour and a half. This one was – it took us 30 minutes to, to drag and, and rip the thing out and, and stuff. But it's just that if you get into – if you get into that situation, you don't want to struggle with a 250 kilogram bike. It's just, it's not fun. Mm. You, you know, it, there was, it was quite some time ago, I guess now that we did a piece on um, the Warren winch. Warren had a, a Warren, Warren is a winch manufacturer. I'm not sure if you know, but um, they have manufactured this tiny winch for motorcycles. And it surprises me really that they've actually stopped manufacturing it, obviously for lack of interest, because I was sort of thinking that, you know, you're going to see these things mounted on bikes all the time, like you do with four by fours, right? They're going to be become sort of a standard thing, but Obviously, there's not that many people running into situations like you ran into where you're getting that stuck. No, well, I, I'm sad to hear you stop making it because I was thinking that I would definitely want one on my bike because <laughs> if Mechanus is not there, there's no way I'm picking it up by myself. Well, I have one and it only weighs about 10 pounds. It is a beautiful really? piece of equipment. Yeah. And if you're by yourself with your bike, I mean, it can make all the difference. But but you can do the same thing with, a, you know, a Z-Drag system as well, which um, uh, Best Restaurant, yeah. one of our advertisers, that he, he sells a, a Z-Drag system, as does Green Chili Adventure okay. Gear. They both have one. And um, so, I mean, I you, you Realize it. Yeah, you can do that and, and do the, the manual oh. pull, which which is probably in a lot of ways, I guess, makes more sense because it's, it's dual use. You know, you've got a pile of rope there or a pile of strap that you can use for other things, like if you're camping and whatnot. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. the, but the convenience of an electric winch is, is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, we, we got stuck now twice in less than three months. And one, the first time was in a marsh in Brazil, trying to get to the ocean. And that took us a good part of two hours to get out. And that was at least half an hour that we... Yeah, that, I didn't realize that they. Yeah, that something they we need to look at. What other bikes did you look at when you were just deciding on the DR? It's funny. They, they looked at, you, you know, that the 650 range is basically decimated. The old KLRs, the XRs, the. We had, we had KLRs. 
Personally, I, I, they have too much issues. The XR, um, we had two XR 500Ls. The Honda 650 is very beautiful bikes, but again, they have no push drive on the back. Um, they, they have a bit of problems with the, with the oil feed. Um, the Dakar was, we had them, they weigh too heavy. Um, the, so the DR eventually came into a good compromise of, of um, what we can do. We also had two DRZ 400s, which is beautiful bikes, but you can't use a DRZ in traffic. The moment you go into a big town and it's traffic, the thing will overheat all the time. So it's not really made for that kind of application. Mm. The, the DR, the 650, so you get smaller bikes, the 250 Honda's very nice, but I think eventually if you do sand riding, the, the, the 250 starts to become a, a, a little bit light in the, in the pants. I think the, the 450, 650 range is a very good compromise of weight, 150, 160 kilograms, the bit of power that you have, because it's an overland vehicle, you're not racing. You need good suspension, you need the range, Packing ability and the bike must just be able to go and, and easy to fix. I mean, you must be able to buy a wheel bearing at any shop in any country. Um, so for that purpose, they, they sort of fit, fit the bill. They're not perfect. I mean, I hate the fact that they've got carburetor. <laughs> if you go over 4,000 meters like you did in the Lagunas for five days, man, they are they're as dead as a duck. Hey, I mean, but they, you still see a lot. <laughs> you hate the fact they have carburetors, yeah. but I mean, on the other hand, the carburetor makes it very easy to repair. It's something you, you can always exactly. do. It's not like it's going to... That carburetor would very rarely leave you stuck at the side of the trail. True, but I mean, fuel injection the same. Fuel injection has been 50 years old now. They fit them in every single car. I think there's more fuel injection fitted yeah. in... But yeah, I, I understand what you say. Yes. No, yeah. no I, and I get that. I mean, the thing is with fuel injection, if something does go wrong, like your fuel pump, which is, that's one of those things that goes wrong with fuel fuel injection systems. If your fuel pump goes and you don't have a spare, you're totally stuck. But with a carburetor, you know, generally what you're talking about is gunking up. I mean, that, that's your biggest thing. You might have, depending on what carburetor you have, you might have a, a, a diaphragm issue. But I mean, um, quite often with a carburetor, it, 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 almost always, you'll find a way to get it going because there, there's a lot of parts around. There's a lot of people around that work on that sort of thing. Right. Whereas the fuel injection, the pump, there's no cure for it. I mean, you need the pump. It's as simple as that. No, you're 100% right. Um, and it is true. I just don't like the fact that, it, that it's you have to set it for altitude. You have to use a fuel injection just does it for yourself. The other, the, you're right in that sense because the, the, the biggest problems we had in the in Africa with the Dakars was the fuel pumps. They, they kept on breaking because of its dirt. and. and yeah. so. I think Mehmet just needed a bit of a reminder. Now you will sing the praises again of the DR. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> do get spoiled too with the, with the fuel injection. Yeah, I mean, dude. like I am because it's like, no choke. I mean, it's such a minor thing, but you just hit the start button and away you go, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> no, we, you mentioned we love drive. You, you mentioned Kush Drive there, and I, I just wanted to ask about that. What would you? What's the concern with the Kush Drive uh, on the Honda XR not having one? Well, because there's no rubbers in it, the, the uptake on the on the rear wheel from the sprocket is direct all the time, and and. and Apparently, what's happening is that it transfers that shock into the into the um, into the gearbox, which eventually eats up the gearbox of the of the machine. Mm. It's not a pandemic, but it, it's it's something that will over time happen to the to the XR. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of um, spoke issues and things like that as well from from not having the cush drive. The cush drive just absorbs a little bit of that initial energy, that smack, the crack when you dump the clutch. Uh, in particular, when you dump the clutch, or if you crack the throttle off, which is kind of the same as dumping the clutch, and then it sends that shock through the whole drivetrain, as you said, right into the the transmission itself. 
So yeah, yeah an interesting thing to consider. Hey, so you guys left South Africa. You went directly to South America. Was that what you did? No, we did. Um, uh, we did first. Our first stint was six months uh, all the way up to Ethiopia. Well, we wanted to have six months all the way to Europe, and then we went in. We went even Malawi and decided this ain't going to work. This running for passport things not going to work for us because you leave behind a lot of the places you want to go see. And we slowed down and, and eventually our first six months ended in Ethiopia. We parked the bikes and we flew back home and did work. Um, the one thing that did, that did help for us because we're not um, that motivated on doing things, else we booked tickets back to, to Ethiopia the first time after uh, for a four-month break, five-month break. So we had no choice to go back to Ethiopia. So whatever we did back home, we had to do in that time. There was no excuses, which then kick-started the whole thing that when we go, when you go back, book already your ticket back, so you, your, your time frame is there. You have to do whatever you do, you need to do it in that time frame. So our first was six months and then we went back uh, three months, three months, and, three months, three months. and then we six, six months again because of the, the ATG and the work we had to do. Um, and then afterwards, only 2015, we started in... Um, yeah, so so in, we've done the, the east coast of Africa, basically. And then we went across from Egypt to Israel. And from Israel, we shipped to Italy. And then we basically did, being truly South African, landed in Italy on the 1st of November with summer riding clothing. And we really <laughs> quickly realized that wasn't a, a very wise decision. Uh, so we did about a month on the motorcycles and then explored a little bit with uh, train riding, uh, went back home again and went for another three months in Europe. And it's in this period that we realized that uh, our company is growing way too fast for our travel dreams. And uh, we decided to take some serious decisions and in that time decided to sell the business. And then from 2015, we sort of uh, were more permanently on the road um, actually renting out our own home as well. So you've been on the road from, from 2015 permanently till now you're still on the road. Correct. Yeah. So we started traveling in 2010, uh, but that would be on and off periods, uh, but for permanently packed everything back at home is from 2015. Mm. So we had to go back home in that time just because my mom yeah. uh, got sick and else we wanted to see her mom again. We had to go back home four months and then I think another two months or so. So when did you end up in South America? We started uh, in Texas in 2015. Uh, so then we did about four and a half months in America. Uh, we went over to Mexico in total. We were there about seven months. Yeah. Uh, then we did uh, Central America in total about seven months. That was three months Guatemala and then four months in the rest. And then in um, April two years ago, we started, uh, we shipped from Panama to Colombia. So uh, I'll no, say just over two years in South uh, South America itself. No, sorry, four, four years is what in, we did all Americas. in America. Yeah. Ah, I see, right. So so two years in yeah. South America and you're, and you're still there now and you're not looking to return home now. No, no, no it's, we, it's possible. Yeah, no. we've still got quite a big area to cover. We, we've only done the Lagunas route or the south of Bolivia. Um, and then we still got almost the whole of Brazil waiting for us. Wow. What, what are you doing? Mapping well, the place? <laughs> <I> mean, <you laughs> know, <laughs> almost. There's a lot I'm, of coverage. I'm trying, to fix, 
So I'm trying to fix Google Maps for them. There's so many roads, so it's not on Google Maps. I need to fix it. So you're going to ride all the roads and you're going to send them the errors, yeah. right? No, the bugger says doesn't want to pay me. I've seen it in a video clip. I don't want to be sponsored, but they don't want to listen to me. That's odd. <laughs> we're going to take a two-minute break, and then we're going to get right back to things. Stay with us, because when we come back, we got a lot more to talk about. But also, we're going to talk about COVID-19, what's happening with them, where they are, and there's some surprising things that's happening locally for them that uh, sort of goes along with, uh, I guess, something like this. Anyway, stay with us. We'll be right back. See and be seen. That is so important for us motorcyclists. That's the model for Cyclops Adventure Sports. Cyclops is a U.S. company, a family-run business, actually, that produces incredible lighting solutions for motorcycles, um, also ATVs, snowmobiles, bicycles. They have a, a really nice LED conversion kit, plug-and-play conversion kit um, that'll change your, your incandescent bulb into an LED headlight. Um, it makes a stunning difference. But what I want to talk to you about here is the, the system, this other system I'm going to talk about is something that will make any bike, any bike safer to ride. It's called the Evo safety turn signal inserts, Evo safety turn signal inserts. If you just remember Evo, you'll find it on their website. Now, this is a great system. It actually not only makes it safer, but it makes your bike cooler to look at. I mean, it's just, it's a nicer look. Here's what it is. The front turn signals, turns your front turn signals into super bright driving lights that double as signals. So that increases your visual status to vehicles in front of you. Super, super important. You know what it's like riding along and you'll see somebody pulling out of a, a parking lot or something and they don't see us motorcyclists. Well, that extra lighting will make all the difference. Now for the rear, they have a, a kit that turns your rear turn signals into super bright red LED brake lights that double as turn signals. So when you tap the brakes, you now have these super bright LED lights snapping on in the position of your turn signals along with your brake light. Now you got three brake lights that are commanding attention from the cars behind you. Again, super important for us motorcyclists. Drop by their website, have a look at the Evo safety turn signal inserts, grab an LED headlight conversion as well. I think you'll find they're well worth grabbing uh, and priced very, very well. CyclopsAdventureSports.com is the website. Make sure anytime you're dealing with them, you email them or whatever, just throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. CyclopsAdventureSports.com. Back in 1976, that's 44 years ago. 44. IMS began making parts for motorcycles. Over that time, IMS has earned a reputation among racers as sort of the right product to run if you really want to win. And they do. They still do. I mean, I, I know I read somewhere that um, in any of the off-road racing in the United States, I think every single person that stood on the podium had an IMS product on their bike. That says something right there. And IMS takes that 44 years of learning refining, researching, all of the things that they put into making great products. They put that into their, their full line of IMS foot pegs. Now, when you stand up, your foot peg is your connection to your bike. I mean, your hands should be loose. Your feet should be and need to be planted. And as every experienced adventure rider knows, that foot peg is extremely important to hold your foot in place. It provides added leverage, weight distribution. It allows you to have better control over your bike, whether you're riding fire roads, dirt roads, or trails, or, and even just cruising down the road, that comfort can be in the foot peg itself. 
They've got a full line of foot pegs for us adventure riders from their ADV 1 and 2 on down to their core enduro pegs. Um, their website, imsproducts.com. Be sure to mention us when you're talking to them. Let them know you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. That's imsproducts.com. What is it about <laughs> but, South America that keeps you guys there? It's such, it's easygoing. Look, for whatever the South Americans done, they, they know how to move people one over, across borders quickly. They love tourism. So they've, they've done a lot to do about tourism, whether you like tourist, tourist spots, whether you like easy tourism, whether you like the kind of stuff that we want to do where you don't see, where you don't see anybody for four days. Um, it's a beautiful place. I mean, they've got the mountains, they've got oceans. Yeah, I think it's the, the except extremes of nature. Yeah, I think, I think for a, for a, a continent in the world. The only thing they don't have is African animals. But but for that, but for the rest, they've they've got everything: turquoise lakes and and glaciers, and there's so much to see here and so much variety. What I really okay. love is the yeah. people that from country to country. Although they're all South Americans, they differ so much in the squares and the colorful people. Um, you get into a town, we get into to Pisa, and, it, and the, the second night there's another festival. Oh, okay. Well, let's go to the festival, and you get sprayed with water, and then you end up in um, in a union. For some reason, somebody decided, well, there must be another festival, and there's another festival. And <laughs> there's so much color and activity. And it, the other thing, what I love about it, is that people are really easygoing. You put, you pick up a phone, you take a photo of a, of a kid in a in a in a square with somebody playing. Nobody's getting overreacted on it, and people are really easygoing. Um, a lot of rules are suggestions. You know, don't drink and become an asshole. But, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a bad example. It's a, it's a, bad, it's a bad example. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just like the fact that they're so easygoing. They, you know, they, yeah, it, it's a really nice, nice continent. And it's difficult for us to leave because it's so easy. There's so to much get we around. haven't seen yet. Yeah. And, and if we go to, 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 to Europe, for example, now, it's visa, visa, visa. And, and you can only stay three months. You have to do this. You have to do that. And, so, yeah, here, if we run out of a visa, we just go to the next country quickly and then mm. spend some time there, and then you can come to most of them back mm. again. But I think, yeah, yeah well, just, people, you know, you get into yeah. a place and people say, Have you been to in, in, a, in Aruya? Where's Aruya? No, it's a small little town with a yellow church. How do I get there? You must go over the mountain. Oh, there's, there's a lot of hidden well, gems for sure and mm. there's definitely a lot of areas that is not explored by normal tourism because people are one either too afraid to go or two it's not a general tourist route so there's not a lot of backpackers and it's not that well known but for us in the two years we've been here it, we could actually spend so much longer here and still not see all the places so there's truly a lifetime of traveling in this continent Alice, you, you you said something about the extremes. Can you talk about that? The, the, you said the, about nature's extremes? Absolutely. If I can just, for instance, uh, give you the example of Ecuador. You come into Ecuador, if, you, if you're on the coast, it's beautiful. It's a, de- a little bit desert-like, but it's the ocean and it's perfect surfing weather and within five five hours you can be on the top of Chimborazo and you have to actually start digging for warmer clothing and then you can be three hours later you in Banos where there is just waterfalls wherever you look and you can quickly get your swimsuit out and go for a swim 
And if you want to another two hours further, you're in the Amazon and you can go for a hike and sweat and see animals. So yes, that is the extremes. And then if you talk about Chile, you look at Chile and it's a very long, slim country, but uh, about a third of it or more is desert. And then you get the winelands and you get the farmlands and then you get Patagonia. So yeah, for us, it's um, coming from Africa, never uh, been exposed to glaciers and stuff like that. Yes, South America with the Andes and the Amazon, it's got extremes. Have you ever thought of moving there and, and calling that your home? Maybe one day. We still Maybe have too day. much to see. Well, that's, that's, what I said. that's what I love about the world now. You can, If you're retired yeah. and, you, and you can somehow create an income for you, to earn dollars or euros online, it doesn't matter how you, you do can it. Stay wherever. You can know, learn how to do the stock market. You can stay wherever you want in the in the world. Six months here, six months there, a year here, a year there, and experience all those countries um, with a car. Yeah. Whatever, a lot whatever of people you want to do. ask us, you know, when are you returning home, or where are you going to make home? And these days we say no, but this is our lifestyle. So. Wherever we're going to be, that is where our home will be. Maybe later on, if we get a little bit more lazy and the knees is not that good, then we'll probably default into saying six months in a country, go to the next one. Um, so we sort of see what we're doing now as a scouting journey. So, yeah, there's a lot of places in South America where I can see I can come and live for a for a period. But yeah, Mechnes and I still haven't seen Asia. We haven't seen, uh, we've only seen a small portion of Europe. So for us, there's still a lot of exploring to do. <laughs> I mean, we miss a lot of our friends back home and the, and the easiness of, of being there. But that said, you also make a lot of friends on the road. We've met so many good people, so many business opportunities. Um, it's nice to see how other people do business. It's nice to exchange uh, the, uh, um, ideas how they do it. It's nice to connect people. We've connected so many people and so many businesses um, that hopefully they all uh, do some good business out of each other and, and then, you know, form new partnerships. So, man, it, it, it's really nice. This, it's an know, interesting it's world interesting, out here. Yeah. Do, do you guys consider yourself really social or are you the, those type of people? Because I, I, that's what I sort of see with you. Well, yeah, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> I think Mechnes is probably the more social one, but yes, I think travel teaches you that as well. Uh, Mechnes has always been in marketing and that's his background, so he connects with people quite comfortably and easily. I come from a financial background. Uh, for me, it wasn't always that uh, uh, easy or uh, natural. But I must say, the longer we're on the road, you, you're like a kid that get taught very quickly, you better make friends because we're moving on soon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and are the friends yeah, you're so making, are these local friends or are these other travelers? Oh, combination. A combination, combination. We've In every country we've been, we've, we've um, actually now got people that stay, the locals, and then, of course, the travel community. Our travel, uh, I actually love the way that uh, Susan from Horizons Unlimited just says that, you know, we went to Horizons meeting and her introduction was, as welcome to your new family. And that sort of stuck with me because that is quite true. Uh, our travel family, uh, I, I call it the new family, has grown so big over the last couple of years. So yes, both local and international. How do you maintain those friendships? I mean, a lot of times when, you know, friends come and go throughout our lives, um, we've all had this where you, often you're very close with somebody for a while and then they drift away. How do you maintain friendships when you're only meeting people for a short period of time and then you're heading off down the road? 
I think it's it's um social media social, helps a lot. So, look, I, yeah. I, social media. <laughs> it's but something it, you got you want to hate, but I I've got to say, uh, for our uh, lifestyle, the social media is really nice. So, mm. some friends you connect through Facebook, some through WhatsApp, some through Instagram. Um, but, but to answer your, yeah. your question, some it, for, on, on Messenger and and, and and on WhatsApp, for example, you you, you keep on sending. Even with our friends back home, every now and then you send a joke, you send a quickly, where are you? You send a pin. So you keep in contact with people. Some people do drift away. And there's, there's some people that just, um, you, you meet them and, it, and it's a good experience and there's nothing going to come from it in any case. And people are, people are different also. They don't return uh, a message. So the thing sort of uh, go away. But a lot of the people that, that we, we met, we stayed in contact with, and it is not something that you that you speak every day, but because of Facebook and the bit of updates you do and they do, it's nice to, to, to keep that connection going. So we've been with, with people that, that we saw once in Africa, and we saw them a year later in, in their home in Switzerland, and we, we, were, we were going on as if it's old family that, that um, you saw yesterday. And then you see them a year later again for a week and, and it's, it's exactly the same. You just connect um, easily. It's, it's a very easygoing relationship. We've got yeah. friends like that in Guatemala and, and friends now in, in I in think Paraguay. also because people has got the same type of lifestyles, they might also be travelers or they connect to travelers and also understanding that we are travelers. It's okay if you don't phone or connect once a week. Uh, you know, people, it, and it depends on the personalities as well. So some friends I only speak to once a month, other friends almost daily. So it, it, it really depends on the friendship you're forming as well. But we've got contacts, um, friends, Laurent Burnett is a, is a, is a Frenchman I met in, uh, in, uh, Africa. in uh, Africa and, and Jungle Junction. We're still friends, we still chat every now and then. Um, we visited them, stayed with them. Once and I know if he comes to Africa, it's the same as these days of us. And, and we, we also found that the actual long term traveling community is a lot smaller than what you think. So, even uh, uh, people we met that was traveling with overland vehicles in Africa, we will sort of run into them here in South America. Well, run in, we make a plan to meet up with each other. But uh, yes, so you, you sort of, because you're in the same interest, you, you stay connected and you try and get together when you can. LSB, you mentioned that you said about um, you learned, you sort of almost like a kid, you learn to make friends and you, because you're moving on again. It's something you learned while traveling. And I, and I think that sort of that type of thought process has come up a couple of times already to become this kind of traveler that you guys are, the kind of traveler that is quite comfortable on the road, that isn't pining all the time for, for missing home, that's so excited about exploring these new places. Is this something that you're, I'm like, I mean, is that your personality? Is that how you guys are? at the core or is that something that sort of happened to you because you've, you've hit the road and you've sort of learned it on the road and become a different person, a, a different kind of traveler? I think maybe it's a combination of it. Um, I think uh, the, the two of us uh, was always curious about the world outside um, as South Africans and coming from our background, it wasn't always possible for us to, to travel as children. You travel in your own country. And I think, both of us sort of grew up with this curiosity. Um, and uh, although you, you couldn't really explore it, once we got married, we uh, traveled every bit of South Africa we could. And I think, yeah, to, to, be, to be frank, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it's a bit of both. Uh, once we hit 
the road more permanently, there wasn't the base that you go back to always. So you would always know if you travel in South Africa or you travel for six months, you come back to your friends and your group and your social circle. And As, I, yeah, you, you definitely, um, when you're back home, you do go back to work, back to work. You have your circle of friends and that's what you see. So you don't really interact easily with, with new people, except if you go to a barbecue or something. But if you're on the road, you have to talk to other people. You have to, otherwise you're going to do nothing. You're going to sit in a, in a hotel room all the time. So I think eventually you, and then you get to be a bit of an introvert back home. Well, that person is that you work and you work and you work or you, you go Saturdays and, and Sundays to other people and maybe have a bit of a, a, a friendship circle. But Routines, yeah. routines. Yeah, and I think um, if you yeah. if you would sit back home in a restaurant and you see a guy on his own eating, you would not normally approach him because, oh, here we, by the way, we're going for a barbecue this afternoon. But when you're on travel and you sit in a restaurant and you say, hey, there's another traveler and he's by his own. It's now for us instinct to go to him and say, hey, you're welcome to join us, we two South Africans traveling. Um, because you know the, the chance that he's also not seeing friends tonight is the same as you. And it's like, yeah, hey, here's the opportunity. It's maybe something you would not recognize if you're in a normal routine. Oh, that's interesting, you know. So, so in a way, by being isolated somewhat from from your normal routines, your normal families, you're you're forced to become more social. That's right. a really yeah. interesting thing, and and that is totally from traveling. That's that's from being there long enough that, like, because if you were on a two week vacation, you wouldn't get that. No. no. No, it, no. I and you know, so. Jim, we've met the most amazing and the most interesting people, especially in the last two years, just here. And, and again, from being locals, uh, heart surgeons, to a guy, a guy you met uh, in a restaurant that is running a very successful uh, business in America. So the it's always for us like a little bit of a lucky packet. You, you look at this person, you know, when you're traveling, you cannot, based on what he's dressed in or what phone he's got in his hand, assess who this person really is. And I think travel taught us that is that we don't look at that anymore. We actually start talking to the person. The, the last uh, guy we spoke with, we were in the restaurant three hours. And as we walked out, we all said, oh my God, we never even introduced ourselves. You know, so it's <laughs> like, <laughs> other other things become actually more important about just talking about stuff instead of who are you, what do you earn, where are you from, what do you write. You know, mm. those things doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, that's mm. that's that's really interesting because really what it's doing is is removing those social barriers that we, you would normally get exactly and and putting everybody in the sort of in the same situation. You you mentioned overlanders a minute ago. I think uh, uh, Mickness, you you said something about uh, you met overlanders in 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 Africa somewhere and you met them again. That style of travel, and I'm I'm assuming you. Were, I think you maybe you said four by fours, but I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. But do you, do you look at your style of travel sometimes now and think that maybe we would be better off if we got like not better off, but let's say um, it would be easier traveling if you had a vehicle, if you had a four wheel drive or or some other <laughs> mode of transportation, rather than uh, always trying to pack everything onto the bikes, always being exposed to the weather. I know we often talk about <laughs> that and we often debate about yeah, it. Look, I mean, yeah, one, of, one, yeah, one of the things already we've decided is that, okay, we need to hurry up with South America because we have to come back and do it with four wheels. It's actually not a, not a, not an argument. There's, no. The car is way better than a bike in most instances, but we all bike riders and we love the bike thing, the feeling, the riding, the, the playfulness of it and all this kind of stuff. But the fact that a, that a car is, is it costs you less, you've you got a fridge. It, you've got a fridge. <laughs> yeah. You can stock your beer. You 
a car is by far way easier and more uh, cost effective than running it on a, on a bike. That, that there's no two ways about it. But we love biking. We love the the the, the wind, freedom, the, 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 the elements, and the I don't know what it is about biking. Just I think I I, I also sort of are falling in love with the the approach by other people to which you as a biker. Now, now, first of all, we're on two DR650s with old yellow lights, so we don't look the dressed up part. But we, we tend to, to find a lot of times if we sit and talk to other type of overlanders that's maybe in a Land Rover, that sometimes they're, they get approached by a group of foreigners or a group of other a group of people quite differently to what we experience. It's sort of if they see you on the bike, it's you open your helmet, it's open, you're full of dust, you, you look like you're rolled in the sand and you've got a smile on your face. So it's just, it, it is actually quite nice to see the reaction of people. I mean, some, some they will go to, to a car differently because I, I like, I've only got um, three lenses with me for the, for the camera. <laughs> Um, we're really, really limited in the stuff that we can carry and which we can do. So at some stage, yes, I think it's some, maybe when the bones are starting to get old and, and fragile. And, he and lies. He says he wants more camera equipment. <laughs> he just wants to preach with beer. <laughs> with cold beer. Because the fact of the matter is, I, I, don't, you have a, a, uh, don't you have a website or an Instagram or something like that set up for, for something to do with beer? <laughs> Chasing beer. Chasing That's the beer. <laughs> it became as a bit of a fun thing. No, it's just a fun thing. Yeah, because people, if they talk to us, we will, in South Africa, we will always say we're going to go for a braai, which is a barbecue. barbecue. But yeah. it tends when you travel, it's also like, let's go for a beer. Yeah. So we started talking about, okay, we're chasing beers. <laughs> the world is connected by beers. <laughs> it's all, it all depends on you how need- you look at things, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People, people are, are getting hysterical over toilet paper. We're getting hysterical over beer. Yeah, oh God, don't get him started on beer. You'll need another hour. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to go there. See, I'm not that into beer. I'm, I'm sort of disappointed. I'm not that into it. So it, it doesn't interest me. I won't go down there. But, but what did interest me, though, is you mentioned that you're starting a new company while you're on the road. How do you manage to do that? It's a long story and I'll put it to you short. So ATG, Altering Gear that we started in South Africa, was making saddlebags. Um, all the travel gear for, for bikers that, that is the middle of the range, good quality, people can use them and I, I want to give it to them to use and not spend their money on, on gear. They must, they must spend their money on travel. ATG, that's the original company you started and sold. That's, the, that's correct. Yeah. Then um, when we met uh, Leonie and uh, Peter from Amsterdam to anywhere in a bar, we were sitting on the beach and... Um, having way too much tequila and we were sitting and they said but they want to go back to, to Europe but they don't want to do the same job so that uh, everything so how did we do ATG so I, we started chatting and explaining to them and they said they think about it they, they might go back and, and do something similar and we left it and they left and never heard of it again and then I think about half a year later, uh, Peter and Leonis did a Skype call of us and said, can they get more information? And we keep on chatting. And then the whole idea of Tricana, the new company, came up. And the idea about it was that while it's South Africa, we can do South Africa. It's very difficult to get into the rest of the world market. But if we have partners in, in Europe and we have partners in America, it makes the whole uh, business, the whole idea of the products, it makes it much more feasible. 
one and two, because we have now information or, or ideas and for people that's actually been traveling for a long time, what they want, how do they want stuff? Um, and we have all the manufacturing uh, yeah. uh, uh, probabilities in, yeah. in South Africa to do that. And that is how the, the new company started. So the idea is still to offer really good products, lifetime stuff, but it's not overly priced. It's not overly designed. It's just stuff that works. Yeah, I think we, with ATG, we never went into the international market because for us, it was always about giving the best product with the best support. And we just never felt that we have uh, the ability or the partners in other countries to to do this for us. So yes, to answer you, how are we going to do it? We're going to do it with the help of partners. So we've got a partner in America and LA, and then we've got uh, Amsterdam to anywhere as a partner in the EU. So you've done the whole thing on the road. You haven't had to go home at all to try and set things up. We, we did at one stage, uh, my mom was getting a bit uh, worried that she hasn't seen me for over two years. So we did, <laughs> while we were back home, we just did everything. So we, we went to see the manufacturers, went to see that the properties are still standing and of course spending a lot of time with mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would imagine you know the properties aren't standing when the money stops coming in though. That's yeah, when you yeah, start yeah, to no, sweat. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you sit still. <laughs> That's when you sit still. Yeah. Is, is there no sweat for that? I mean, while you're on the road, you've got these rental properties out. I assume you have somebody looking after them and, and the money comes in and, and basically you just sort of sit back. It sounds very easy. No, it's, 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 yeah, it's a in, in a way, in theory, it's, it is that, mm-hmm. but you also have to, we've also learned, especially in the last five years, that you've got an additional cost that you have to budget for, the cost of not being there looking after your stuff yourself. So yes, sometimes you're going to take out a little bit more for maintenance than what you would have done if you were there yourself to organize it. And right. yes, sometimes the property stands empty longer because there's nobody really driving it. And because of the timeline difference between you and, and, and or us in South Africa, you know, so, so you, you learn to just be aware that your income is not as steady as you always would want it. But that's also why we, we, we try and keep our, our expenses as low as possible. So you build up a buffer. You always have a buffer for, for the stuff. Sometimes it runs a little bit low and sometimes it's okay. So so far it's okay. As long as yeah, we don't... I, yeah. I think for us, the fact that we've got time and that uh, if something goes wrong, we just sit it out. Uh, you know, it, uh, things will go better. As long as you do your side, it, it, it will clear up. Mm. You sort of monitor this buffer, I guess, all the time. And do do you have a, a sort of an alarm point where, you know, if things get down to a certain point, that's where you're going to call it quits and head back to get your affairs in order again? That's when um, we have to call up my brother-in-law and my you know, mom and say, listen, you need to pay in money for us. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean you're going to stage a fake uh, 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 kidnapping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We run it. We run it till the lowest point we can go. <laughs> you might be disappointed if you do that. And they yeah. say, "No, no, just keep them." What will it take to have you yeah. keep them? <laughs> That's a good chance. Yeah. yeah, no, I think we try and keep a buffer and we try and monitor it. But yeah. every now and again, like now with the Corona thing, you are giving given a surprise package. But yeah, yeah you just I, it doesn't help to get hysterical before time. Just. Uh, mm. Do the steps you have to do and stay calm. I mean, <laughs> stay cor- traveling. Yeah, this corona thing can go sort of okay. It can go fixed and it can go really bad. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that's one thing I'm curious about too, uh, is how this is affecting travel for you and what, what you're seeing. So where are you guys right now? 
We're sitting in Sucre um, with uh, Frank Lindert, um, just working and stuff. Um, they've closed Bolivia, basically the borders. The locals have advised us not to drive around um, now for the next two weeks. Uh, so they, they started in some of the South American countries to not only just close the borders, but also the regional borders. Uh, so Ecuador, I think, was the first country to do that. We understand that in uh, um, Argentina, they not enforcing it, but every foreigner gets pulled over and tested. And if something looks fine, not uh, good, they will put you in quarantine. So we spoke to the locals here in Bolivia and um, they say to play it safe, rather not uh, go over regional borders for now. But we're not confined. You can walk around. It's uh, They don't have, they've closed the schools for two weeks, but markets, uh, restaurants and bars are still open as normal. Mm. What about your fellow travelers, other people you've seen on the road and talked to now? Uh, what's happening? What's your sense of, of what's happening for South America? Everybody is, um, is, is getting settled for the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, the borders are basically, as of Yesterday and the day before, borders are closed. Chile, yes. Argentina, Dalot. So um, most of the people that we are in contact with are, are, are st- uh, sitting down for the next two weeks to see what what will happen. They, they I think luckily, Airbnbs. Yeah. No, and luckily the, the the community. It's amazing. So many people post on Facebook that they offer it, uh, overlanders that stuck a, a, a room in a house or to come yeah. to go stay with them. It's incredible how the how the people has, has come out. And, and I support. think it's different here in South America because you do get longer. People periods to stay in the countries. So lucky for us, we were able to get a three-month extension on our visa. So we don't have to really worry until about three months from now. Um, So yeah, we'll just uh, look it out. And I think that is what most of the the travelers we know in South America is doing. I know the guys in Central has got a little bit of a different problem because the visas are normally a lot shorter and they might be looking for solutions to ship out. But I think most of the people we know here are, are calm and just waiting it out. Well, we're recording this about um, the middle of March, and, and by the time it comes out, a lot is going to change, I'm sure, as far yes. as the status of things. But you're looking at a two-week timeline. What happens if it goes on much longer? Then, then we just find a long-term Airbnb and we sit it out. <laughs> no, no, for other people, yeah. and, 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 and um, I mean, our visa is now, let's say, three months, but we can still say, I'm not sure about the other people's, everyone's circumstances are going to be different, but it, it creates a lot of problems because you have to do something with your car. There's a lot of uncertainty in it and a lot of um, stuff that, that um, that's going to happen. Uh, with this whole thing. Um, I think also it's now a little bit still in the, uh, can we call it the hysterical period where people aren't very sure of what is really happening yet. And yes, like here in Bolivia, apparently on the borders of uh, Argentina, the local people are protesting, not wanting to let anybody in, not even the local Argentinians. So yeah, I think we're going to go through a period of very uncertainty but I, I, I hope and I trust that, uh, you know, things will work out. Mm. I think we should just uh, sit it out but, and see. But there's definitely, there's a lot of overlanders that's now in countries that's mostly going to have the same issues. Um, and hopefully the governments, you know, if you have to ask for extension on the tip or, or something like that, that they will be open to, to grant it to, to, to overlanders. Like we said, we've already got so many uh, just local friends that has offered that if we run into problems, they will go to the authorities with us and sort of offer sponsorship. So I think, 
yeah, it, yeah, there's amazing people out there and we're not going to panic until it's really necessary. And for now, I think everybody is probably just safer sitting it out as long as you can where you are. Well, I know a lot of governments are, are saying that, you know, they're, they're, um, anyone that's traveling abroad now should be coming back home. Have you heard that from your government? Did you, did you guys consider going back home because of it? We, no, we no, no, government yeah. is not the kind of government. That. No. <laughs> Our closest embassy is in, in Lima, so that that uh, is not going to work for us because you have to cross the border to get to Lima. So, no, we, we haven't had any serious co- uh, uh, communication. I think at this stage, South Africa has just closed their borders as well as to see if they can contain what is happening. So I think even for us to try and go home, uh, will be more of a burden than really a solution. Mm. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, and something that we've talked about here, myself and Elizabeth, they did the call for everyone and they said, everyone come home. But now you've got all these people that were in foreign places, panicking to get home, rushing for the airports, riding on buses and in taxis and everything. And when they get here, they're supposed to go into a, a self-isolation of, I think it's minimum 14 days. But meanwhile, they've been, they've tracked themselves all over the world to try and get back here. And if they are carrying this COVID-19 with them, they've exposed so many people to it. So that, so just the act of calling them back sort of exposes a lot of people to a, a potential infection. Absolutely, Jim. This is what I don't understand. I mean, we, we only see what is happening around you now, but the, the, the World Health Organization, in this in this magnitude of a, of a thing, must have been the only people that's been talking. They must have driven, driven the whole thing, what countries do now. USA do one thing, the Europeans do another thing. South America decides, well, we'll see what they do, and then we'll sort of do what, what we do. And then Africa does their own... It's, they, it, yeah, and like you say, you know, the, the next moment you get people on buses that were healthy and now they get sick because they, they all get, get crammed into buses and they have to go home. Mm-hmm. I also don't know, hopefully the world learns from this how to better negotiate this kind of thing the next time it's going to happen because it's going to happen again for sure. But hopefully they, they, they learn from this to, to, to coordinate this thing better than what has happened currently. As you mentioned, you know, the, the um, travel community, the overlanding community is pulled together and you're seeing a lot of posts saying, if you're looking for a place to stay, I saw a couple of those. Somebody sent me a message as well saying the same thing, that they were blown away by the the sort of the outpour of offerings from, from the overlanding community. And I think when we're saying that, we're mainly talking about motorcycles, uh, although it's, it's a general sense. Are you seeing the same thing with the four-wheel overland community? I mean, is there is there the same, um, for what you're connected with it, is there the same sort of response from people or is it motorcyclists? No, we've yeah, seen it on, across on, the board. On, it's across the board, even even for, for uh, uh, car people. Um, I'm, I'm connected to a few nomad uh, 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 websites as well, people that work um, uh, from wherever in the world. And even in those forums, there's a lot of help offered to different people that saying if you're stuck or you need to move a base um, for the short term, we're, we're available to help. So it's it's almost all over the travel community. Mm. I don't know about backpackers, but but for overlanders for sure. Yeah. That's one thing we've, we've been talking about here as well is that this could possibly 
maybe make people a little more humane, a little more, um, maybe wake up our, our, our senses so we start caring about one another more because that's almost what you're seeing because you're seeing it on a small scale as well in some countries where people are helping others. In Italy, you're seeing in the news now where the people are singing outside on their balconies to entertain themselves. It's almost like this thing is, is um, this isolation is bringing people together in ways. I think it's also teaching mm, us a lot of the basics again. It's like one, take care of yourself. Otherwise you won't be able to take care of other people. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so that, yeah, I think it's a bit of a wake up call for the whole world. And then the other side of it is it's so nice to see the positive things coming out. Like Venice's streams are clean now and the yeah. dolphins are spotted in areas where they don't go because there's too many ships. And, yeah, yeah, so it's quite, how we say Mother, Mother Earth is taking a breather as well. Yeah. Mm. But the, the the biggest impact is going to be economic. I mean, it's yeah. just you can see it. It's for sure going to going to bankrupt a lot of people and businesses and and hurt a lot of very small businesses. And the tourism industry is going to take a massive knock. There's no doubt. I mean, we were in tourism uh, when we had SARS and, and we saw our bookings come to a standstill. And, there, you know, there's a bell curve and it was just starting to go upward as the season does each year. And, and when that happened, when that broke out, it was a free fall. I mean, then you just started getting cancellations and cancellations and it was far enough away. You're refunding 100 percent. It was horrible then. This is even bigger yeah. than that. This is this is, is even exactly. much, much bigger. So, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of people. And, and our government's talking about offering financing for businesses and stuff. Well, you can only finance so long before you're going to be in debt so much by the time things come out. I mean, you have no chance of recovering. So, yeah, I think that's that's obviously my big concern with it is what is this going to do to the world financially? I mean, everyone, really, it's going to touch everyone. No, it's definitely there's no two ways about it. Yeah, it's just being here in Bolivia and getting to know a few people in the tourism industry here. It is, it's crazy that the one lady we know is employing 21 people. Her business was cut down overnight. It's her and 21 other people that's influenced. So it, it, it's it's crazy. And for, for the type of income she's paying her people here, you're talking about a, a extended family that lives off that salary. So yes, the impact, the immediate impact is already visible. So can you imagine what it's going to be in the long run? Mm. You guys as travelers uh, in a place where tourism's dropped off, literally probably come to a standstill completely, must be very um, well liked when you arrive because you're one of the few people who are spending money. I think at this yeah. stage, they still look at us and make sure we're not sneezing. <laughs> oh, is that right? So it's more paranoia yeah. at this point. And not that yeah. it's not as valid either, but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. that's what they're concerned no, it about. Is that- no, it's no, it is definitely happening. That's problem. also what, why some of the locals advise us not to drive, not to ride it down because locals see you as a as a foreigner and they immediately. They don't know how long you've been in yeah, the country, so, so they see you as a as a potential it's problem. It's happened now in Africa that um, uh, locals don't like <laughs> we, uh, foreigners because they they perceive them immediately as a, as a yeah, colonialist. But we even had a local Bolivian yesterday that said she hailed a taxi and the taxi didn't want to open the door and she said, "What's your problem?" And he said, "You're a foreigner." And she says, no, I'm Bolivian. And he, okay, now you can get in. So (laughs) I think stuff like that is going to happen. (laughs) So you're talking about hostility. You might be running into some even more hostility as things go on. That's possible because our foreign foreign place. I think if they see us with the motorcycles and realize we had to travel here, it's not fly in tourism, maybe it would be a little bit different. Well, two bicycle people we met in the Lagunas got into Argentina. 
Um, and before they even hit San Pedro at the Calma, they were stopped by police. They had to show that they were in, in South America for longer than the last four months. They had to do the, the testing and all those kind of things. Argentina apparently now is putting out a free uh, uh, quarantine. If you're in the country for less than two or three weeks, I think, you have to go to that quarantine and they will do it for free. And apparently they're also telling the locals that if you spot a foreigner or a foreign plate, you need to report it so it can be investigated. (laughs) So so really, you're forced to be staying where you're staying right now. I mean, you're you're kind of under house arrest. Yeah, we're gonna like we're gonna that. do a test run and and, and go to go do a loop and see if it you know. <laughs> as long as they don't just decide to shoot you at that point or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, what do you oh, just stick into a car? Yeah. So and in, and in, in at this point, you're staying where you're staying yes. because you can't get out. You could the borders are closed, and you mentioned flying out if things get bad. Are you sure you're going to be able to fly out? I mean, the borders are closed. International flights are dropping. Um, airlines are, are canceling mass amounts of flights. Does it not worry you, the, the situation you're in? I think well, if, if, that yeah. is, if that is the extent, if it's really that extent, then I assume that the local, the government have to, have to do, you know, either give us an extended visa. Or they have to fly What are they going to do? Then they have to repatriate yeah. Mm. And I think in our case, if you if you do prove you've been here for months, it's not like you've been in contact with any other travelers. It 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 is a different situation. But yeah, for the guy in the street, he doesn't know that. So for us, uh, we'll monitor the situation as we go along. Not to worry. We'll try and sit it out as long as we can. And it sounds like they've picked up on you already because I hear the dogs at the door. So <laughs> they've got the sniffer dogs on you already. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, we were clever. We're staying in a house that's got seven dogs. They protect us. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I was just going to mention, you, you really have to be careful about that because uh, I think LSB just mentioned something about the average person on the street won't know that. They won't know that. So if they spot you, I mean, you, you really could be subjected to mob violence with this sort of thing. I imagine so. I mean, that's yeah. just what, what Roxanne said is that, that the, the Argentina-Bolivian border, the locals have put up a, a roadblock and they, they're burning tires and they don't want Argentinas in the, in the country. So it's possible. I mean, we, yeah, we, we haven't, we've only, we've been here for a week, a little bit more than a week or so. And, so we'll, 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 and walking around is not a problem. We haven't had any, any issues yeah. with that. I think we will just make sure we get the advice of uh, the locals before we do anything. Um, and uh, as Michlis has mentioned, Roxanne is in the tourism industry, so she knows and she understands the Bolivian people. So, yeah, we're not going to do something stupid. Then we'll rather just uh, sit and Michlis has got a load of photographs to work through. So he, we certainly have got enough to keep us busy for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Well, you guys stay safe. It was great to sit down and talk with you. Thanks very much for taking the time and and, um, I hope everything works out. Thank you so much and the same for you. Thanks for the chat, Jim. It's really nice. Mickness and LSB Oliver, Peaky Peaky Overland, hunkered down in Bolivia, waiting out the coronavirus storm. 
You can find out more about Mickness and Elsby by uh, looking at their website, which is peakypeakyoverland.com. And that link will be in the show notes, as well as we've got some great photographs in the show notes for this episode. Drop our website and check it out, and you will find the link to their website there as well. you that this episode has been brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles at www.maxbmw.com. Also, Best Rest Products at www.cyclepump.com. Green Chili Adventure Gear at greenchiliadv.com. And Moto Breeze Chain Oilers at motobreeze.com. Hey, you do us a great favor. If anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime you see them anywhere, you mention that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. that about wraps up another episode of adventure rider radio we heard (laughs) well we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it special thanks to our producer elizabeth martin and to you the listener thank you very much remember what i said at the start if you're not supporting the show already we need your support please drop by the website adventureriderradio.com click on support and get out there and share us tell your friends about us um, about the show and um, rate us on facebook and itunes and everywhere else you can find them Uh, it, it would really really help things out anyway time to get out i always say get out and ride your bike but i'm not sure that you can right now so if you can't well maybe time to do some of the maintenance that you've been putting off uh maybe just tinker with it it might be time to practice changing a tube um pulling your wheels off those sorts of things little make work projects that you can learn from you know pull your wheels off and and practice with it make sure you have the right tools etc all of those sorts of things and anytime you're dealing with any of our advertisers make sure you tell them you heard them here on adventure rider radio Um, we certainly need you to, to really enforce that now let them know that it is working for them my name is jim martin thank you very much for listening talk to you next week Carol DeBell, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. <laughs> <laughs>